Cassandra's questions, there are a lot of them. Find her mother and her please back home again. Oh, her mother's lots of fun. Her foolish tray come. It's bad books for beginners. To Bat Books for Beginners, where Chris and Jerry will cover Batgirl, Destruction's daughter. Listen to their jolly banter. Dream of a world that needs no cape nor cow. Realize these guys are just having fun. Anyway, Shiva is having none of it. Wants a little girl to rise above it. Her brother's got her on the run The Lazarus pit is no fun It's bad books for beginners Hello and welcome to this edition of TBU's Bat Books for Beginners Episode 169 My name is Jerry And I'm Chris And we are your hosts on Bat Books for Beginners, we will examine story arcs with Batman and related characters. We'll give you the historical background of the book, break down the plot and the art, and give you our opinions so you can decide for yourself if they're worth a read. Today's Bat Book Chris and I are covering is Batgirl, Destruction's Daughter. Chris, tell us a little bit about this book. Thank you very much, Jerry. Hello, Batfans. Thank you for downloading and spending some of your time with us today. Batgirl Destruction's Daughter is a 224-page trade paperback that was released in September 2006 and had a cover price of $19.99. Online vendors are selling new copies for around the same price, and a used copy can be found for about half of that. Our crack research staff has told me that this is also available on Comixology. Batgirl, Destruction's Daughter, reprints the Cassandra Kane Batgirl issue numbers 65 to its final issue number 73, which were originally cover dated August 2005 through April 2006. And at the time, these issues were cover priced $2.50. So is the cheaper route to go the trade paperback, perhaps? Back issue prices appear to be around the cover price or slightly less. So affordable options are there if you want to get this in hard copy format. Let's look at our main creative team, and I'll go off my memory and some online sources here. Our writer is Anderson Gabrich. Gabrich has been mentioned on previous episodes of our podcast. He's 44 years old, and though he was born in Tokyo, his nationality is American. Prior to writing Batgirl at this time, his previous credit was over on Detective Comics. He's also worked on Batman, Catwoman, and the Omega Men titles. Gabrich is also an actor and has a number of film credits. I was unable to find any recent comic book work on him. Pop Man did the majority of pencils on these issues. That's another name that has been previously mentioned on our show. Man was born October 5, 1973 in Bangkok, Thailand, making him 43 years old. I probably first encountered his work in the mid-1990s, when he was working on several titles for Image Comics, including Stormwatch and Union. By the end of the decade, he was working on Marvel Comics here and there, and the titles Ghost Rider and Generation X. I remember seeing him do some DC work over on the Flash title in the late 1990s, and things come back around in comics as he's done some work in 2017 on the Flash title, as well as Injustice. 
Other artists that contributed into the trade paperback, but somewhat to a lesser extent to the overall volume, were Amanda Connor, probably best known at this moment for her work on the Harley Quinn title, L.A. Garza, who was mentioned on a previous podcast, who did some work on Spider-Man, and Francisco Rodriguez de la Fuente. Now, I should note that Tim Sale did the cover art for the trade paperback. It's very stunning, and Sale did the cover artwork on issue numbers 69 through 73. Again, all of these covers are fantastic, and probably, in my opinion, some of his most underrated works. Over on Amazon, this has an average rating of three, excuse me, four out of five stars, with some readers giving it five out of five, and at least one rating it one star out of five. (laughs) So there's quite a variance of opinion on this book. And with that, I'll turn it back over to you, Jerry. Thanks, Chris. So we're going to talk about this story after a few messages from our friends. Do you enjoy movie scores? Do you like science fiction? like fantasy. And do you like movies? Uh, uh, everything's under control. Situation normal. What happened? Uh, hit a slight weapons malfunction, but uh, everything's perfectly all right now. We're fine. We're all fine here now. Thank you. How are you? Well, I have a podcast for you. Soundtrack Alley. It's a podcast where I take you on a journey through the time of my childhood and beyond to give you a glimpse into the world of movies, science fiction, fantasy, and other films that touch me on a personal level. You'll also enjoy interviews from film composers from famous movies from the past or even current times. Enjoy the interaction I have with guests on my show every so often, and check out other shows that share in guest spots. So sit back, relax, and let the soundtrack world wash over you, and check out Soundtrack Alley. You'll love it. Welcome back. So, let's get into the story of Batgirl, Destruction's Daughter. Cassandra Cain wants to know who her mother is. Not even Batman, the world's greatest detective, knows for sure. The two suspect that it's Lady Shiva. Cassandra visits Onyx, who knew Shiva from the League of Assassins. She recalls that Shiva's real name is Sandra Wu San from Detroit. Cassandra notes the similarities of their names. Sandra... Cassandra. Cassandra visits her father in jail. The first time she goes as a visitor and gets nothing from him. The second time she breaks in. Even though she lays a pretty good beating on him, he refuses to tell her who her mother is. Cassandra hits the road in search of her mother. She runs into Zero before she leaves, the kid with the arm tattoo that's been following her around. 
She gives him a ride on her motorcycle and the two kiss. She likes that feeling. Cassandra drops him off and heads out on her journey to Detroit to find out more about her mom. She gets into a bar fight with a giant pig man named Baracko on the way and leaves him unconscious at the bar. She finds her way to Detroit at the only address she has for Sandra Wusan. She finds an older woman that has been in the neighborhood for a while and shows her a picture of Shiva, hoping to spur on a memory. Before she can answer, the pig man, who's been following her, arrives on a motorcycle. The two fight again. His large size makes it difficult for her to beat. But she manages to kick him in a vulnerable spot. The pig man throws a car at Cass, which hits the older woman. Luckily, the older woman turns out to be a fighting robot that defeats the swine. Cass finds Bronze Tiger, also from the League of Assassins. He tells her that Rachel Ghoul created the League to protect himself. Her father, Kane, learned how to more effectively train children to be League members, but Bronze Tiger does not know where Shiva is now. Cass calls into Oracle to help find Shiva. While Babs is on the case, Cass spars with Black Canary. Canary had been in training with Shiva. Babs is able to find Nysa Ratko, Rachel Ghoul's eldest daughter, somewhere in the Balkan Mountains. They believe that Shiva might be with Nysa. Cass believes that Shiva is the new sensei for the League of Assassins. They fly to the Balkan Mountain hideout, and thanks to a canary cry, Cassandra is able to jump her motorcycle onto the side of the mountain. Nysa sees Cassandra's approach, but allows her to enter the base. Lady Shiva is in fact Sensi for the League of Assassins and is training a bunch of baddies. Cass finds her way into the training room. Instead of fighting her, the students bow to her, calling her the one who is all, because she beat Shiva. Shiva says they're her students now, and introduces some of them before she attacks Cass. As they fight, Cass asks if Shiva is her mother, but Shiva does not answer. The fight is broken up by Mr. Freeze hitting Cass with his ice gun, her body frozen in place. She watches the students sparring while Mr. Freeze visits his dead wife. Nysa, who has a reusable Lazarus pit, is using Freeze's wife to motivate him so he will create a weapon that will turn half of the world's oil to ice. Nysa tries to enlist Cass into her father's genocidal business, but to no avail. Batman's teachings have changed Cass. She talks with Freeze, who says that when he finishes the weapon he's working on, Nysa will use the Lazarus pit to bring his wife back to life. Nysa is making adjustments to the pit to accommodate her particularly decrepit situation. Cass says that Nysa is lying. She has no intention of bringing her back to life, and Freeze is just being a tool of Nysa. Ultimately, Freeze agrees with Cass, and the two wreak havoc on the students. At Cass's encouragement, Freeze pushes his dead wife's body into the pit. His wife, Nora, emerges alive but furiously angry. Why did they bring her back to life? 
Nora has somehow taken a strange liking to the pit's chemistry and can now raise zombies from the dead ground herself. Cass goes on a zombie killing spree. Freeze pleads with Nora to stop fighting, but she thinks that now she's a monster and must act that way. There is much fighting. Freeze sets off his ice weapon, which threatens to kill everyone. Cass escapes into the woods with a few of the students. Shiva has some students of her own and tracks them. The two groups confront each other and they fight some more. Cass tells them that Shiva is using them to tire her out. One of the pursuers is a vicious killer who Cass realizes is Kane's oldest child, the mad dog, her brother. The siblings fight. Eventually, Mad Dog drives a sword through Cass, who is able to beat him up before she dies. Shiva carries off Cass. While dead, Cass visualizes that Stephanie Brown is carrying her. The two talk and discuss the state of the world until Cass is torn out of the Shadow Realm and emerges alive from the Lazarus Pit that Shiva has put her in. Shiva says that yes, she is her mother, and Cass calls her a liar, and the two fight. Cass ends up trapped in a net. Shiva tells her that Cain killed Shiva's sister, spared her life, and got her pregnant in exchange for training. They took Cass away once she was born. Cass and Shiva fight one last time. Cass breaks Shiva's neck and throws her onto a hook dangling over the Lazarus pit where she dies. The end. Well, Chris and I are going to talk about our feelings for this story after these words from some of our friends. Trekker Talk. A fan podcast devoted to the adventures of 23rd century bounty hunter Mercy St. Clair from the pages of Trekker Comics by creator, writer, and artist Ron Randall. I'm Darren. And I'm Ruth. We'll be discussing the stories, characters, and art in this excellent retro sci-fi adventure series, as well as having side conversations about other areas of fandom. We hope you'll join us as we travel from the dangerous back streets of New Gallif to the depths of outer space and everywhere in between. Talk is available at podbean.com and on iTunes and Stitcher. Find us at trekkertalk.com. Welcome back. So, Chris, what did you think about this story? Well, Jerry, when this was good, it was really good. But I thought it was a bit long and, and even in some places. What I really liked were the Birds of Prey appearances and the exchange that Cass had with those members. The scope of battle with Mr. Freeze and then uh, with this and all the minions surrounding the Lazarus Pit really, really almost gave me a feel of uh, cinematic in scope, if you will. Mm. It was really evocative of just seeing something with this huge massive scale and props to uh, writer Gavrish for using a story element with Nora Freeze trying to be revived in the Lazarus pit. And of all places, seeing this done into the Batgirl title, you would have think this is something, why, why didn't another Batman writer possibly think of this? Sure. So that was really good. I think we have some other issues to meet out, but I thought this was good, but not great. And before we 
dive into further, what were your initial opinions? Well, I, you know, I, I am a big fan of uh, Cassandra, so I think she's terrific, and they, they, you know, they give her some of the language. You know, she can't read. She says things like "You bet your sweet bippy," you know, funny kind of oddball uh, sayings and uh, things like that. As she's kind of struggling to learn the language and things like that. So that's okay here. Um, although, you know, my biggest problem, and this is probably exactly opposite of what a lot of other folks think about, there's just, for me personally, too much fighting. It's just, it's fight after fight after fight, and it's zombies, and it's students, and it's pigmen, and it's, uh, it's just so much. I stopped really caring about the you know the 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 in-between parts just seemed like it was connections to fight scenes now some people like that and some people think that's you know that's why they read comics but it's not why i read it and i also thought that it is was a little strange with the pig man that she really, you know, the first time she was able to beat him up, but then the second time she seemed completely useless against him, and uh, which I, was unusual. I, I found hard to understand. And then I was not sure why that older woman turned into a fighting robot. That was really weird. Jerry, if I'm trying to reach my memory back a little bit, I could be mistaken, but I think this was around the time that there was this whole uh, OMAC tie-in, which was uh, this uh, over an infinite crisis, and I think it would went spread over to DCU's Brave New World stuff. I'd have to double-check, but I think that's what was going on, which was, like you said, almost inexplicable here. I think a lot of these OMACs were somewhat uh, sleeper agents, if you will, that uh, came back and got revived in some sort of conquest, which led over to a tie-in. Now you would think the cover would have said Omac tie-in on the, on like the thing when you're, we have like the back in crisis or legends, the miniseries from the eighties where you knew an event was tied into another title. We didn't get uh, that respect as a reader here, nor was there any editorial note like, uh, please see events which happen over here to, to figure this out. But I'm pretty sure that was an OMAC tie-in. Last trade paperback that reviewed did the same thing. You know, we had uh, chemo being dropped in Bloodhaven. Oh, right. And I think the ramifications were felt and carried over for a different story arc in another title, mm-hmm. which, as I'm going through these trade paperbacks that we're reviewing for this show, is really kind of cringeworthy. I, I kind of almost grit my teeth when we when we get all these other tie-ins to other events that we, as a new casual reader, or even someone who may have read something, but it's been so long, yeah. we have no idea what we're looking at at this point. Yeah, I guess I, I wasn't thinking of, it, thinking of this in that context of the time. But that's a that's a great call-out. Great call-out. Now, one one thing that... Uh, you know, another thing that obviously we've we've read recently is that we've seen uh, in on this show we've talked about uh, Nysa before. Uh, we we saw her in Death and the Maidens, and uh, you know she, we knew that she had this uh, reusable Lazarus pit, which is a special Lazarus pit, which I think is an interesting um, uh, wrinkle. I would like to know where this is in relation to. That um, Rachel Ghoul Year One story that there were no Lazarus pits. 
Um, I, I was, uh, I'm, I'm not exactly sure about, you know, what happened when, uh, for these, but, you know, that's just a little kind of, uh, asterisk that I want to go and look into. That's a good point. And in our defense, I think we've been more or less been reading these chronologically as they've been coming out. But that said, who's to say when something comes out because a writer from another doesn't necessarily follow continuity, they follow their own continuity just for the sake of a story. So Mm. uh, if you do find something, let me know. But who knows? For all, you know, it could could just be at the whim of the writer, you know, for thinking, (laughs) put this story element in and, you know, let somebody else sort it out. Right. Now, another callback to um, the most uh, recent uh, Cassandra story we did was uh, we talked about that guy with the tattoo, the the zero with the line through a tattoo on his forearm. He shows up here again and he gets a name this time, Zero. So, yay, we meet Zero. Um, and another thing that I did like uh, somewhat is them showing that um, Barbara Gordon really does care about Cassandra and is really trying to help her, um, help her ultimately, if she wants to or if she can, to become kind of a Batman replacement. And I thought that was interesting. That, you know, she needs to be able to read if she's going to be, you know, the Dark Knight. Uh, so she's really trying to help her. I, I like that. And her friendship with Black Canary. I always love to see Black Canary, too, in these. And that was fun. Yeah, Jerry, I'm glad you mentioned Zero because there was a scene where you've got this pure joy mm. that Cassandra had spending time with them. I think they shared a motorcycle ride. I think they spent some time together. Mm-hmm. And you could just see how fulfilled she was with that human contact, with that yeah. human interaction. And it's it's a shame that this wasn't explored more. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was around issue 65, and at the time... This goes up to 73. I have to wonder at what point did the editorial ship find out that this title was going to be axed? And was this a reason why that story uh, plot, thre- plot device wasn't carried up upon? It's, it's a shame because I think this would have really enhanced the story more. And this was somewhat of an interesting character, but we never really got to know him. Yeah. And, you know, for the what you said, it was, a, you know, uh, it was a lot of pages <laughs> and uh, the zero part was maybe three or four maybe. And part of, it was part of my favorite part of the book. And I wanted to see more about that. I loved what they did in previous uh, Cassandra um, trades where they, you know, were really trying to uh, humanize her and she was trying to humanize herself after her terrible um, upbringing. And here, uh, they kind of carry that theme a little bit, but it's just fight scene after fight scene. Are you my mother? No, you'll never be. Oh, you can. Uh, blah, 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 blah. It's yeah. Just... And you did bring up a good point that I wanted to touch upon because this did get to be fight over kill. I did feel it myself. Even when uh, the second issue came in the second chapter where she goes into the bar and she runs into this, uh, Baracko character, who I don't know if he ever appeared again. Off the top of my head, I can't think he's made another appearance. But what's this guy's backstory? We have yeah. no idea. He's this... This uh, <laughs> looks like a mutant, if you will. He sort of with a big appearance, and he almost goes toe-to-toe with Cassandra. Yeah. With just almost it's- looking invulnerable and everything else. Maybe not quite uh, the uh, orient- disciplined fight 
uh, fighter, but just with raw strength, he's got it. And yeah. I don't know if this guy's ever showed up again and since. Yeah. It, it kind of uh, was a weird part of the chapter. And I think when you have this story that's being played out, you know, who's my father, who's my father, interspliced with fight scene, fight scene, fight scene, it, it got to be a little bit repetitive almost. Uh, I thought the best fight sequence was that around the Lazarus pit where you had all the characters and players involved. And I thought, wow, okay, can't get any better than that. I'll let out a huge exhale. Oh no, wait, there's another <laughs> fight in the snow where Cassandra gets killed. Oh no. Was, boy, this was really, it was a really tough read in some places and a really nice read in some others. But mm. yeah, I, I was really with you on the fight scene stuff. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, um, I, if, if this pig guy, if he's going toe to toe with Cassandra, you know why doesn't he have his own book, <laughs> right? Yeah, and where did he come from, and yeah. what, what's his origin? You know, we never really got any piece of the puzzle there. Yeah. So, um, and I also was a little confused at the end because the, through most of this store, most of the of the issues. Uh, Shiva's wearing kind of a red jumpsuit, and Nysa is wearing kind of an open front, I don't know, 60s disco costume, right? But then they seem to swap. So the last scene where Cassandra and Shiva are fighting, uh, Shiva seems to be in a kind of a disco costume. And, I, you know, from the dialogue, it was pretty clear that it's uh, that it's Shiva, but you know I had to read it a couple of times to make sure. So that was a little confusing at the end, which is unfortunate. I agree. I I was with you. I was a little lost at that spot, and I think one of the covers sort of had the the miscoloration as well because I, is that Nissa on the cover <laughs> or is that Lady Shiva? I didn't know. I couldn't tell. Well, and the first the first time I read it, I thought, oh yeah, that's. I think that's Shiva. I decided it was Shiva. And then I started thinking about it. And then I thought, well, where does Nysa show up again later? And I, you know, thought, is this where she dies? Maybe that is her. And it really, I had to go back and check. Um, so, uh, you know, a little confusing ending. Absolutely. I'm trying to look through my notes to see if I had any other points. Mm-hmm. We both addressed the fighting quite a bit and in, in the issues we had with it. Right. That said, I don't want to paint a picture that this was a very gory book or a very right. overly violent book. In other words, I think this would be suitable for a kid if they were to read it, mm-hmm. but it was just a lot of repetition in the fight scenes. That said, I don't think this was, this was, I hate to say it in a slang sense, but comic book violence, this mm-hmm. wasn't mm-hmm. Uh, gory or or graphic in any way in my opinion absolutely what did you think jerry i I totally agree it was just uh fight 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 punching kicking you know the uh maybe some bloody noses some yeah i guess probably the bloodiest thing maybe was uh uh nora maybe she was kind of icky and and maybe Cass getting it through the you know getting the sword maybe that was probably pretty graphic but i mean not not very graphic though not uh just uh the, probably the most violent things that happen. I agree with you. This this is for all the fighting. It's it's it would be fine for a for a you know younger reader. What would yeah, you, and if anyone's more versed in the Cassandra Kane Batgirl run, if they've done deep dives in this, I would really like to know 
with the circumstances as this title ending, uh, it seemed like this was a story in progress that had a kind of an abrupt ending, in my opinion. There was one little phase where it almost started to turn into a fable being framed with the story action going into involved in it. Right. I, that was kind of weird, in my opinion. Yeah. It threw me just a little bit, but I sort of, as a reader, went with it. Mm-hmm. But we had all these subplots, and it looks like it was leading to something, but all of a sudden it just turned into this epic, and it had an ending. And yeah. I really wonder if there's anyone who knows. I would really love to know when the decision was made to cancel this book and, mm-hmm. and because it looks like some things were just never followed up upon. And if any listeners know out there, please contact us. Please let us know. Yeah. All those flashbacks, you know, the, uh, yeah, like fables. You're right. You're right. They were, they were almost like mythological. There was a girl and she did this and yeah, it was, uh, it looked like it was going to be interesting. It just never was. Right. So what would you rate this book if you had it? Jerry, I was so torn between a two and a half and a three. There were a lot of great things I liked about it. The interaction that Cassandra had with Zero, the interaction Cassandra had with the Birds of Prey group. Mm -hmm. There was some good stuff with her, with each member of the group, Barbara, Mm-hmm. Dinah, even some stuff with Lady Blackhawk. Yeah. Everybody was pitch perfect in voice there, and that was really great. Mm-hmm. I also really liked, and I said it before and I'll say it again, the stuff with Norrin Freeze. Mm-hmm. You know, that was an intriguing plot device. I thought that was very, very, very clever. Mm-hmm. <sighs> but we had all this other <laughs> stuff that the redundancy of the fight scenes and everybody being tight lipped up and down the line getting quizzed by Cassandra as to the identity of her mother. Theories, I'm not, Kane saying he's not going to tell you, her going to Bruns Tiger, kid, I can't tell you. Yeah. Where does it end? Yeah. So you would think, you know, she was titled to this. I am going to go give it the benefit of the doubt. There were more things I liked than disliked. I'm going to give it a three instead of a two and a half. Three batarangs out of five where do you land on this i would do the same uh i would give it a three for all the all the reasons we talked about i would uh, i'm torn between a two and a half and a three i'll give it three for those reasons plus just because i like cassandra i'm going to give her the benefit of the doubt so uh three batarangs for for myself now uh do you think this is a must read and who would you recommend it for i would recommend it and call it a must-read for, obviously, a Cassandra Cain fan, a Cassandra Cain completist. If you're a Mr. Freeze fan, I think this is an overlooked piece of work that you should take a peek at. Mm-hmm. Lady Shiva, got some stuff there. Mm-hmm. Boy, would I call it a must-read? Mm-hmm. No, not not for the casual Batman fan. Uh, I, I would recommend it with some reservations, but I... I, I just can't put it in the must-read category. It's it's very very good, but just I can't move the needle t- to that uh, to that spot. How about you? Yeah, I totally agree. I uh, it's I don't say that this is a must-read. There are other stories that I would uh, say are much should be read um, much uh, much higher than this one. And again, I would re- recommend it at this point to Cassandra Kane completists. Um, you know, it, it, we get the. The, at least the 
the the reveal that Shiva is her mother, you know, even though it's she, you know, Cassandra doesn't believe her, uh, but at least it's a it's a kind of a step in Cassandra's development. So you've got to be a completist to to really, you know, have to read this one. Sounds good. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, now. Bat Books for Beginners, this podcast, is part of the BatmanUniverse.net network of podcasts. We offer all the Batman-based weekly comic book reviews, news, and some great podcasts, including the flagship comic podcast, Everyone Loves the Drake, Batgirl to Oracle, and many, many more. If you like what we offer, please consider donating to us at the TBU Patreon account. You can find a link to the Patreon account on the BatmanUniverse.net website. Now, Chris, uh, you are on Twitter at... Yes. Yeah. Thank you very much, Jerry. I can be found at Twitter. My handle on Twitter is at BTO and BatBooks. That's at B-T-O-A-N-D-B-A-T-B-O-O-K-S. BTO is not for Bachman Turner Overdrive, <laughs> but it is for Batgirl to Oracle, the yes. other podcast that I appear on. You're and taking care of Bad business. Books. Yes. <laughs> I usually tweet uh, things like a Saturday morning salute where I look at an old cartoon of your, uh, uh, some of my weekend nightstand reading. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, for October, I've been posting a Halloween or October-inspired comic book cover, so I hope you check that out. Love that. Now, you can also find my partner Jerry on Twitter. That's right. Jerry, where can the folks find you? Uh, I'm at Professor Frenzy. So on Twitter, I cover my favorite DC books. I do some Dark Shadows. I do some indie comics. I do some... You can get the links to my Batman Universe.net uh, written reviews. I've been doing Mother Panic. Uh, I'm Batgirl and Birds of Prey right now, so that's a that's an exciting one. I, I've been enjoying that one. Uh, and then Chris and I both are on Saturday nights. Uh, come on to Twitter at the hashtag Spenguli, and you'll see us uh, talking about some uh, horror movies. Uh, so that's a whole heck of a lot of fun. We saw The Wolfman was last week. That was fun. That was fun. And I tell you, it's a great environment. Everyone's very friendly. A lot of sharp wit out there. So if you have nothing to do on a Saturday night <laughs> and if you like to watch some good movie, horror movies and some bad horror movies, bad uh, it runs the gamut. So uh, friendly company, good times are Absolutely. to be had. A lot of, lot of great, great times to be yep. had on Twitter. Yep. And we, we're also joined now, uh, now the last couple of months by uh, our friend Clinton Robeson. So he's been joining us. He does the uh, Coffee and Comics podcast, which we really are enjoying. Now, absolutely, yeah. So we, you know, Jerry, I want to mention on Twitter we had a lot of likes and retweets from our last episode where we covered Under the Red Hood. So I want to give a few shout outs out there. We had Steve Ramirez at Roma Steve, Nethead at Deadhead, Ross Michaud at Old School Ross, Bill, hey Bill at Gotham Night Thirteen, fellow TBU contributor Paul Shanley at Paul Shanley, Luis A. Sanchez at Luis A. Sanchez. Bob Buster at Bob Buster 3, Warlord Worlds, ha ha at Warlord Worlds. We had the Dark Knight Minute at Dark Knight Men. Mark over at I'm the Gun at I'm the Gun. Another TBU contributor, Darren Murphy at Murphman or Blog. And thank you very much. He was the fellow who just, I hope we did the last episode justice, and thank you very much for the like on that. Another tribute contributor. Twitter was Adil Saeed at Frozen Gothamite. We had Terrence O'Neill at O'Neill Ties. Jim at Canada Daredevil. Jared Alberich at Yard Sale Artist. 
Longbox of Darkness at Dark Longbox, Chris Sheehan at Ace Comics, The Batman Universe at Batman Universe, Sagalafree Free Podcast at Sagalafree, Xenozoic Xenophiles at Xenozoic Files, Coffee and Comics, as you previously mentioned with Clinton, at Coffee Comics Blog, Warlord Worlds at Warlord Worlds once again, <laughs> and Zach Sally at Zach underscore Sally. And if we forgot or overlooked you, please let us know and we'll be sure to mention you on our next episode. You bet. Now, Chris and I, uh, speaking of War- Warlord Worlds, Chris and I were on a show with uh, Darren and Ruth where we talked about Batman Mask, and that was uh, such a fun episode, and I loved hearing that one. Yeah, that's their current episode. You can download it now over at Warlord Worlds. That's their most recent episode. Had a great time recording it, and they had some great guests on there as well talking about some Superboy books. Mm. I loved it. It was a great listen, and I hope uh, all the fans out there, whether you like Mike Grill or not, give it a listen. I think we, we really had a good time. If you enjoy good conversation about comic books, that's a great episode to download. Definitely. And also, another book, uh, another podcast I've been listening to is The Cosmic Treadmill with Chris Sheehan at Ace Comics and, and uh, Reggie Reggie at Reggie Reggie on Twitter. So uh, now they discuss classic comics, some less than classic comics, but even if the comic book is a little shaky, uh, Chris and Reggie's uh, discussion of it uh, is always entertaining. Now, and Reggie has a show on, now it's, it's moved to Wednesday night on Mixler and uh, he does a lot of he, he it's a music show he plays funk and he plays all kinds of stuff and he has been kind enough to be playing some of our promos so we wanted to to give a big bat books for beginners shout out to Reggie for, for doing absolutely that. he's extremely talented and a great guy too definitely, great guy definitely you know, one other thing, Jerry, before I let you go, uh, we both talked about this before the show. We wanted to acknowledge the passing of Len Wein, who passed away this past September 10th at age 69. Now, the big uh, things you might remember Wein for, he co-created Swamp Thing and Nightcrawler over on Marvel, Storm, Wolverine, Bobby Morris, who would later become Mockingbird. But as far as Batman goes, he also did quite a run on Batman titles when I was a kid. He created the Lucius Fox character. And boy, those runs he did on Batman and Amazing Spider-Man from the 70s and the 80s were stuff that I read and reread and couldn't wait until the next issue came out. He left behind an amazing legacy, and I just want to acknowledge his passing for a very, very talented comic creator, writer, and sounds like, by all means, a a great, great human being, Len Wein. Definitely. Amazing legacy. Yeah, it is. He's just one of the, one of the pillars of uh, the comic book world. So, well, that's all we have for today. The, I just wanted to mention one thing, Chris. This is our 20th episode. Hey, awesome. Congratulations, Jerry. <laughs> Congratulations, Chris. At least 20 times 20 more. I agree. This has been so much fun. Uh, and I, I think that everybody could tell we're having a good time together. Absolutely. So, it, it, where's the time gone? It doesn't seem like money, has it? Twenty. It just... It's amazing. I guess it's since the beginning of the year, and it's October. So, yeah, wow. it's twenty. <laughs> so, well, I still love doing it. So, hopefully, uh, you haven't got tired of me. I haven't got tired of you. No, I'm. I'm in. I'm all in. So, I hope everybody joins us in two weeks when we will be reviewing. 52. So that should be that should be an interesting one. Come back and see what we think about it. So my name is Jerry and I'm Chris and thank you for listening to Bat Books for Beginners. Mm-hmm. 
Cassandra's questions, there are a lot of them. Find her mother and her please back home again. Oh, her mother's lots of fun. Her foo is Trey Kong. It's bad books for beginners. Welcome to Bat Books for Beginners, where Chris and Jerry will cover Batgirl, Destruction's daughter. Listen to their jolly banter. Dream of a world that needs no cape nor cow. Realize these guys are just having fun. Anyway, Shiva is having none of it. Wants a little girl to rise above it. Her brother's got her on the run The Lazarus pit is no fun It's bad books for beginners